What's going on, everyone? It is another installment of Kick Back and Relax, part of the Left Side Heavy podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. It's your boy, Jevin LaFave. And today I'm bringing on good friend, Poco boy, Rylan Reese. He is a Rochester Nighthawk for the NLL. He is a uh, water dog for the PLL. And uh, he's just a very, very awesome guest. It was a very great interview. We kind of talk about his days in high school, minor league lacrosse, and then scaling up towards the pros. So tell some stories, answers about the season, any processes through college, all that. So it was a very enjoyable interview. Um, be sure to leave a rating and review on all podcast platforms. And if you're listening head over to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can watch the episode. And if you're watching the episode, then head over to any podcast platform and subscribe so you never miss an upload. And here is Rylan Reese. Enjoy the episode. It's episode 85 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast, the 17th installment of this kickback and relax series presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave. Today, I bring on a very, very special guest. He's from Port Coquitlam, same city as me. He's well, He went to Stony Brook University, where he was a two-time captain, 2019 America East Defensive Player of the Year, 2018 and 19 First Team All-Conference, and the 2018 America East All-Championship team. He has made appearances for Team Canada in 2018 and 2016, where he played at the World Field Across Championship, winning the silver medal, and the U-19 World Field Lacrosse Championship, where he also won a silver medal. He's played for the Poco Saints Junior team from 2014 to 18, and then he was soon traded to the Coquillum Adnax, where he did end up winning the very high-praised Minto Cup. And he is now, you can now find him in Rochester, playing for the Rochester Nighthawks, where he was drafted second overall in the 2019 draft where he was then named to the NLL All-Rookie Team, where he was also named the team's Defensive Player of the Year. Rylan Reese, thanks for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jeff. How's it, uh, how's it over there in Rochester, buddy? It's good. It's going. It's uh, definitely colder than back home. Um, just still kind of getting used to that, but lots of snow and, you know, just, just kicking it in Rochester. So the story around Rochester was, it's kind of funny because you're on technically an expansion team, but it's Rochester's like second team in like as many years. Can you explain like for anyone who doesn't know, like what kind of happened with that situation? Yeah. So uh, the original Rochester Nighthawks team is very, it's historically known. It's one of the greatest franchises. Um, they won a lot of championships and a lot of, a lot of the best players in the world have come through this this city. Um, and the year before I got drafted into the NLL, um, they decided to pick up the Rochester Nighthawks team and move to Halifax. So the team that was the old Rochester Nighthawks um, picked up, moved to Halifax. Their owner took the whole team, everything. Um, and the Padulas, who own the Buffalo Sabres, um, they own the Buffalo Bandits. They, they really thought that Rochester still deserved a, an NLL team. So they decided to buy the Rochester Nighthawks a new team basically. And it's, that's why we're an expansion team is because they picked up, they all left the Halifax. Um, we still wanted a team here in Rochester. So they rebranded, um, you know, a whole new logo colors um, and then a whole new team. So that's kind of how the expansion draft came. And um, the first year of the team was my first year getting drafted. So that was the first kind of expansion draft in my first season with the, the night, the new Nighthawks. Do you know if like the kind of market around the team changed at all? with it being like an expansion team or were the, was the fan base still there? Or did they kind of uh, gravitate towards the Halifax team? I think they're still loyal to the, to the, to Rochester. It's been hard with uh, just COVID, you know, my, my first year and our first team as a new expansion season got cut halfway through because of COVID. Um, so, you know, we are still building those fans and then, you know, losing that half season and then a whole next season. Um, and then, you know, this season being, you know, with face requirements and vaccine requirements and everything, it's been the fans have kind of been on and off, um, kind of been hard to get through. But now things are starting to open up. Um, you're starting to see some requirements drop and the face mandates are starting to drop here down in Rochester. So, um, you know, hopefully we get all those fans back and 
um, start doing a little bit more within the community to kind of, kind of help grow and bring them into the blue cross arena. Yeah. I, uh, COVID's taken a toll on like everything nowadays and it's no hidden secret at all, but it's kind of good to see things are starting to get lifted. I mean, like over here in BC, things are starting to be lifted a bit more capacity starting to raise, but it's good to kind of see the wheels start to be in motion a bit more, but I want to, I want to take it back a bit. Um, we'll get to your NLL days in a, in just a few moments, but I wanted to know, how did you get into lacrosse? Well, I want to bring it back to, you know, when you're just a, just a young buck and, uh, what kind of got you into lacrosse and field box, all that sorts of sorts of stuff. Yeah, I kind of grew up with a lacrosse stick in my hand. Um, my grandpa played lacrosse. He's in the BC and Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Um, so he's obviously been a big role model in my life and kind of who I've kind of where I am today. I give a lot of that to him. Um, since I was probably three or four, I grew up with a stick in my hand. Uh, my uncle played as well. So he kind of, my grandpa's coached and taught at all different levels. So he's kind of been my mentor and you know, whether it's in the backyard when I was five years old or in the living room or um, whatever it was, even all the way through middle school, high school, he'd come over every day after school. I'd be in the backyard shooting with him. So um, kind of that he's the reason why I started playing lacrosse. And he's kind of, you know, the one that's been pushing me and kind of teaching me the game ever since. So um, he's definitely a big reason why I am where I am today. Were there any pressures put on you as a kid or did you just start playing because you loved it? And then the goal of kind of going professional or being in the most competitive aspect of the game at your age that you possibly could play in, was it just you're playing it and then you wanted to compete at the highest level and then pro came into the situation or was pro always um, a goal from the beginning? Um, I always thought it was, I think it was more, you know, getting to the junior A level. I think that was, you know, the most realistic, that was the biggest goal growing up. Um, you know, we didn't have a ton of NLL and, you know, field across, you really couldn't watch from back home. Um, so really junior A, I think was like where I wanted to get to, you know, I wasn't the best player growing up all the way through. Um, it's not really how it worked. I just kind of played, you know, I got to play with my best friends, the same guys since I was five years old. Um, you know, we grew up playing every year together. Um, we were a really good team all the way through. And, um, I think that's what made it so special, you know, playing with guys like, like Brody, Liam, Ty, you know, we grew up playing from such a young age, um, and going all the way through that journey together. I think that was kind of the, one of the most special parts and they're still my best friends to this day. So, um, the pro really didn't become something I, I had my eyes on or really something that I thought was possible until probably I got to college. Um, even getting to college was sort of a shock, you know, his ninth or 10th grade has started finally doing like travel tournaments and, you know, and coaches started to reach out. And that's when it kind of all became a little bit more real when I, you know, I, I didn't know those possibilities were really a thing in middle school. And when you're younger, it's not something that I kind of knew of and it wasn't very big back out West, but um, you know, once we had high school and once you started talking to some of those college teams, that's when things started to kind of really come to fruition and um, seem like a possibility for me. You mentioned the talent level around your friend group. And believe me, like I'm not a huge, uh, I don't have a ton of knowledge in the game of lacrosse, but I know talent when I see it. And the talent around your friend group is like unbelievable with the guys you mentioned. Did they play a big part in you improving the way you did over time? Yeah, I think we all made each other better. Um, you know, like every day of practice, when you're competing against guys that want the same, the same end goal, you know, we had a lot of guys that ended up going to college and, um, you know, pursuing junior A and playing pro. And, you know, you think of the guys like Keaton, Graydon, Brody, Liam, Ty, like growing up playing and competing with all those guys, I think it made us better every day. Um, you know, and especially having the chemistry when it got to a game, playing that long together. Um, yeah, I think definitely playing together, especially with, with that talented group of guys, um, definitely kind of pushed each other every day and made us better players in the end. Because you can find a few of uh, few of your buddies in the NLL as well. You got Graydon in San Diego. You got Keegan over in Vancouver. You got Clark in Albany, if I'm not Sask mistaken. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, my apologies. Yep, no worries. Uh, his debut, they were playing Albany. So, But 
did you see the potential in those guys as well? Yeah, I mean, since I was at college, uh, you know, Graydon was able to kind of get in the league earlier. Um, and then, you know, obviously playing with – played against a ton of guys and played with a bunch of guys that are still in the league. And, you know, it's always cool to be able to play against and play with your friends. I remember playing against San Diego my rookie season and playing against Graydon. I thought it was so awesome to just kind of look on the other bench and see him there and him, his big body striding up the floor. Um, but I, it's, a, it's a really cool opportunity. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of guys – that I've played with that, you know, could have and, you know, might have been able to play in this league too. It's, it's a tough league to crack, but um, it's really cool to see, you know, close friends and, um, you know, being able to kind of go through that journey with them and, and compete against them at this level. So, Going through the high school experience, um, you played for Terry Fox as well. What was the high school lacrosse kind of like uh, up here in Canada? Because I know it's much more competitive in terms – because it was a field lacrosse league and – field down in the States is a lot more like competitive than up here in Canada and vice versa with box across. So what was the, um, high school experience like? Yeah. High school field across is a, a lot different in the States than in, uh, in BC for sure. Um, in the States, you know, like they have their high school, high school season and it's, it's full go for the spring season. And then they play like their travel and summer ball in the summer. Um, you know, our, our spring or our field across back in, in BC, you know, it's maybe a practice a week. You got six to 10 guys. We got our nets made out of metal from our metal fab class that are the wrong dimensions. Um, you know, you're just practicing on a muddy field. We did, we did what we could. Um, but again, we had that same group of guys pretty much that we grew up with. Um, <laughs> we had a really, really good team and, uh, we didn't get to practice a lot because, you know, throughout the week, you're focused, you're still playing with your, your Poco Saints or whoever your team is. Um, so you're still focusing kind of on box lacrosse. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of like the side fun lacrosse to play. Um, you're still in your, your Poco Saints field season or yeah. box season, whatever it is. Like you're still focused on that, I think, is the more like championship, like the more, um, you know, your, your main lead. So the high school was kind of, it was just like a kind of a fun lead to play lacrosse with your friends is really what it was. We ended up being really good. We won a championship one year. Um, I think we maybe came second, second, the other, and you know, it, it was fun, but it, it was a lot different, you know, it was optional practice kind of 10 guys. So it's, it's different. Yeah. Cause it was almost like you're just copy and paste of the same team into high school. Obviously there were some guys who went to like Riverside or best or somewhere else, but majority of the team was like from Fox. So you basically just ended Fox practice and you're like, all right, see you at the game tonight. I'll see you in like an hour. Like you're going to come pick me up in a bit or. That's pretty much how it was, man. You, we'd finish that practice. Like, are you doing a practice tonight? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty funny. So yeah, a lot, a lot of lacrosse practice with the same guys, but. Do you have any um, funny memories or fun memories, core memories from uh, the Fox days? Any... Fox days. Um, grad camping is always a good one. Like, I'm, I'm talking like uh, lacrosse memories. Sorry, I, I, may, I may have worded that a um, bit weird. But... High school lacrosse memories. I think one of my favorite memories was uh, one of my good friends, Matt Sweet. You know, never played lacrosse before. And I think it was maybe our 11th grade. He just decided to join the team. And, you know, that's, that's what was great about the high school cross is, you know, you didn't have to be, there's no tryouts really, you know, as we just wanted to play with our friends and have a good time. Yeah. And Matt came out to play and he just never played before. He was out at practice, you know, we we're like trying to teach him, picking up <laughs> balls and throwing. He could do the basics, but yeah, it was funny. Kind of, you know, you got guys that are, you know, some guys that play all year round and then you got, some of your friends that are just kind of wanting to play and hang out with you. So that's always one thing that kind of sticks out to me for our, our high school team is that it didn't matter. Like we just wanted to have fun, you know, Matt's out there. It's just the skill difference is hilarious, but it, it was such <laughs> a great time and just being with the same group of guys. So that's like, like stick and puck. You'll see Brandon Goff who's never played hockey in his life and he'll just go out just <laughs> to like rip around with the boys or like high school rugby or soccer. And it's just, that's what high school sports are about. That's the time to like try out something new that you haven't like done before. But uh, 
switching to minor league lacrosse and the Poco Saints days, when did it really start getting competitive? And when it really started, like the pace started picking up more and more and, you know, fires were starting to be lit under everyone's asses a bit more. Like what level did that really start? Um, I'd say for me, the cross kind of was something that I knew I wanted to pursue probably around like eighth grade. Um, like that's right. When I quit hockey, I decided to focus on the cross, um, you know, ninth grade, like that's when like team BC and, you know, high school stuff and, um, the bigger tournament started to happen. Um, so I think that's probably when lacrosse took priority for me, for sure. Um, quit pretty much every other sport. I, I, I played high school soccer. Um, that was kind of the only other thing I did other than lacrosse for my, my high school career. And that's kind of when I realized that it's what I wanted to do. Did I think I was going to get to, especially where I am today? No, not at all. Um, but, you know, fighting and, and working hard for that college scholarship was definitely something that I wanted, wanted to pursue and I focused on. And I was very fortunate from, from that. What was your favorite level of minor league lacrosse? Cause the inner a games, man, like the stands would fill up like crazy. Everyone from high school, every Thursday or Friday night. And you know, the games against Coquitlam and well, like yeah. they, they, were, they were some of the funnest games I've ever been to in my entire life, professional sports, including. So what was your favorite level of lacrosse that you like participated in? And yeah, like what, why did you just have that's, the most fun? In? That's a really tough one. Cause you know, it's, like that same group of guys we were talking about, we started in novice, which was, you know, you're probably seven, eight years old. It's me, Brody, Liam, Ty, that whole group of guys. And we went undefeated the entire season, won the, won the year end tourney. So that was like, we always go back to that, you know, we're like, you know, we've been doing this since then. Yeah. Um, but you know, intermediate and even like midget, um, I think midget a Poco hosted the provincials in the blue arena Oh, um, yeah. and we won the championship and that, that arena was the hottest I've ever been. There's just <laughs> way too many people for that small <laughs> arena. And, you know, it, it was loud. And like you were saying, like those, it kind of that same feeling, like those Thursday, Friday nights for junior A, you know, all your high school buddies up in the stands, you know, it's just your, your blue collar, Poco blue arena, just grinding it out. And there, there's, it was awesome. Um, I mean, there's so many memories, Yeah, you know, like obviously being, winning the Minto Cup is obviously um, one of the great lacrosse memories I have. Um, but man, there's nothing like that, that intermediate and Poco junior A team. And we had, we had some characters on those teams and it really made, made lacrosse fun. Yeah. Cause this isn't on the same level like at all, but just in hockey, I, cause I didn't really play anything more than house. I tried out for rep a few times, but um we were in like the banner game and we were like shorthanded and we play we're playing a team that we always lost to even when we had our full roster so we shouldn't have like been in it shouldn't have been a close game but we were like going back and forth like up to other team ties it just back and forth and like i like i scored a goal and it's just like the adrenaline going through you was just playing that championship game just like brings a different vibe. Like the arena was like every single team was watching it. All the parents were watching it. Parent, like siblings were there. Like it was just, it was pretty full. So the just that championship feel is unbelievable. So Poco hosting the provincials, man, that must've been something like yeah, exhilarating. It, it was electric and, you know, it was a low scoring game. So it was, we're playing against Quitlam and they got Del Bianco in net and he's a very, very tough person to score against. Um, so it was a low scoring game. I want to say it was like seven, five, maybe. Um, and it was so loud. It was so hot, but like that, like you're saying like that championship feeling, like it's just, it's crazy how electrifying and like the adrenaline that you get from it. Um, so that, that was a, it was a pretty cool experience. So. Yeah. Del Bianco is always a stud for Coquitlam. And he ended up getting drafted into the NLL. Have you uh, crossed paths with him? Uh, I a few yeah, times? I played him my first year. We played him once, and then 
uh, scored my first NLL goal against him. Not a big deal. Actually, I had two in that game, but um, that's unbelievable. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> bringing it back we were, to the good old days. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to play him uh, or his team this year, and uh, we had to cancel because of COVID, so that got rescheduled. So we got them, and in about a month, we play them. So we good to play against him again. You know, obviously playing against him for so long growing up, and then playing with him when we won the Minto Cup. Uh, he's just a phenomenal goalie. He's, he's he's a great guy on and off the floor, and um, it's always it's always fun to compete against him. Yeah, talking with the Goffs and just everyone in Poco, because the vibe even there there's a vibe even in like the Commons at Fox whenever you guys would be playing Coquitlam. You know, uh, Dylan Ledron would be saying, "I'm going to fight someone tonight." Like he <laughs> he would just get everyone's expectations high, and then everyone would bring up like. Like, oh, we got to play Del Bianco. Like, he's always been a stud and everything. And then I watched. I was like, okay, how good can this guy be? And he's not the biggest guy, too. And I'm like, this guy is, like, not the biggest. And everyone's still talking about him. He must be one of the craziest guys in that. And he was. But yeah, he, you guys held you guys' own against him. So it was pretty It was pretty fun. But the NRA games against Kukotlam, what was – we've touched on it a few times, but what was just the vibes going into it? Because everyone like made sure that they showed up on time for that. Yeah. So inner is a little bit different because in Ontario, they don't, they don't have that. They do the five years of junior, which now they do. There's no more intermediate in Poco and BC. Um, but playing intermediate, <laughs> I remember Coquitlam, like we, our Poco team was just a blue collar scrappy team. Um, yeah. now we didn't really do the whole OD for a little bit. We just played five lines. Um, and we had some guys that like to rough it up. And, you know, one game I remember folds, gets peeled, it gets jumped and broke oh, the nose later. I remember and, that. I and remember Liam's that. In, sorry. Liam's in the, in the hospital with him. He's in a fight and concussion. And unfortunately that was a bad turnout for Liam where I ended up being his last game. Um, but man, like we just had a scrappy team, loved fighting. Um, and, you know, it was just a really great group of guys to be with and, and to be able to play with. And um, it was awesome. So you, um, as uh, your days are, you're in your last season or you, you play some junior for um, Poco, but then you want your one last shot at a Minto and you get traded to Coquitlam explain the process of that going through and was it hard um asking for a trade from poco to coquitlam because you know you got we've been rivals for so long we're rival cities it's known poco versus coquitlam was it hard to like process that and like take your heart out of the equation with the move yeah it was a, it was a really crappy situation for how it went down and um you know me folds and graden um, we didn't want to leave Poco. Um, we really wanted to, we thought we had a really good team to go compete for a mental cup with Poco and, and see if we could get there. And that's, that was always our goal to start. And the owner at the time just didn't seem to make the right moves. Um, we knew we needed some extra parts to the team that would help us and would really, you know, new West and Coquitlam, they're all making trades. They're all making pushes for Minto and, Poco, we just kind of sat there and just didn't do anything. And we knew at the time, you know, we, we lost to Coquitlam and New S. Like, we knew we had to do something. Um, so they were asking us all about players and what we needed. Um, you know, we, maybe we needed some more lefty offensive guys or um, maybe another goalie. Like, we needed some parts to, to really go for that Minto. And they told us that they were getting ready to make some trades. And we'll see, you know, we'll see what we can do. And later we found out pretty much two days before the trade deadline, um, we found out that really our owner and everyone that we weren't making any moves, no trades, no pickups, no nothing. Um, and that was kind of really hard for us to hear. You know, it's, we want to, we don't want to go for this. We want to try and win a championship with Poco. It's our last year of junior. Um, and they never really ended up doing anything. And so me folds and, and Graydon, you know, we wanted more guys to come with us and we would have rather gone and, done it with all of our boys and tried to compete whether you won or not. I think that's probably the route we would have, you know, we would have hoped for, but um, they basically told us that they weren't making any trades on 
probably an hour before the trade deadline. No moves made. So me, Drain, and Folds, we said, listen, if if you don't either make a trade to help Poco or you don't trade us to a different team, we're not playing playoffs. Basically how it went down. It was basically what we said. We said either get us players or send us somewhere else to go compete because we don't want to just throw air last year and got a call right after the trade deadline, basically. And me, Folds, and Drain were together. We were trying to figure this whole thing out. And we got the call saying that we were all in the same trade to Quillam. And, um, you know, ever since then, obviously they're a really good team and it was really hard to, to leave Poco and, and the guys that we've been playing with for so long. That was the hard part. I, you know, the rivalry, it happens, you know, trades happen. And I, I don't think the hard part was going to play with them. I think the hardest part was leaving um, the guys in that locker room and not being able to chase it with them. And, um, you know, and it ended up working out for, for the three of us. It's, it's just really unfortunate the way everything happened and how it went down. Um, but, but in the end, it got ourselves a Minto. So, yeah. Cause Poco is always pretty competitive with every single team, um, that they've played against, but they just couldn't like you guys always felt like got, got it to game six or got it to game seven and just fell short. Like we were always so close. And I remember talking with Brandon, he would always kind of keep me updated on what teams to look out for players, a situation, all that. And he said, like, year after year, he's like, Poco can, like, compete. Like, this is a really good year, like, good chance for them. But unfortunately, things just didn't work out. So what – so you guys, how much longer after the trade deadline was there left in the season? Uh, so there there was probably – there wasn't a lot at all, really. There's probably a couple games. Um, so I pretty much got traded – with Graydon and Liam or uh, Graydon and Folds. Um, I pretty much probably practiced a few times, played in one game, possibly two games. And then I actually had to leave and I flew to Israel for Team Canada. I missed the whole first round of playoffs. Um, so like, <laughs> I came right in to second round of playoffs against um, New West. And that was kind of like my real first few times at the team. And that was, so that was kind of an adjustment I had to make coming you know, coming from worlds and not really having much of a break, um, but jumping right into that. And, you know, there, there wasn't much time to kind of gel and um, build that chemistry, but it, it was super easy. Um, you know, they played a, a lot faster paced game and a little bit more systematic, which um, took a little bit of getting used to, but I think that's what kind of helped me grow from, or make the transition from junior to, to professional definitely a lot easier was um, having Patty Coyle, who's a, a well-known NLL coach and a, a great coach um, really kind of helped me, um, you know, kind of tra- transfer my game from that junior to the, to the pro level and playing that a little bit more of a, a systematic and, and a professional defense was did some adjusting, but it, it definitely helped me get to where I am today. But um, yeah, only a few regular season games. And then I ended up missing the whole round of playoffs and right into the second round. Were you nervous that you guys weren't going to make it out of the first round? Um, I wasn't really nervous. No. Um, you know, they were a good team without me folds and Drayden, and, and, you know, if we were just able to help in any way, um, you know, that's what we were there to do. And it was a great team. Um, phenomenal players all up and down the, up and down the roster. Um, so I wasn't too, too worried about the first round. Um, but you, you always, you never know what happens. So I was definitely, I was over in Israel watching any game I could, um, you know, with the time change and the schedule that I was on there. But, um, you know, I, I had high expectations for the boys to at least make it to the second round. So you guys end up pulling it off, like you said. Um, was the feeling as good as expected or is, did it exceed your expectations? Because I can't assume that it's any less than meeting your expectations. No, it, it's obviously, you know, one of the greatest accomplishments I've had in my life. Um, kind of an odd journey for me. Like I said, like I missed the first round. I came back from Israel, played in the second round. Um, we went to the Minto Cup in Calgary. We played, I played in all the round robin games. And in the first game of the finals, I broke my foot. So I wasn't even able to play in the finals. Um, so that was kind of really hard for me, especially just watching those. Um, I was on one of those knee scooters, ended up getting surgery when I got to Stony Brook, but um, you know, I don't know if that changed the feeling for me. Um, it was just really hard to watch that, sh- the championship series. Um, 
but you know, the, the feeling didn't change, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know where the video is, but there's a video somewhere of everyone going off the bench and I'm the, by far the last one off the bench. I <laughs> put my scooter onto the floor and I'm sprinting up, pushing off my one leg. And I, one bunny hop, I, my scooter goes <laughs> flying into the boards. I bunny hop and jump onto the pile. Um, you know, the, the feeling is exactly what you'd think. Um, and it's crazy. And it was such a fun group of guys. Um, but, but yeah, I think it was definitely just, it was super hard to watch, you know, like watching your team compete and such an important, yeah. important games and everything. That's, that's a really tough part. But you know, when they, when we finally got the win, it, it was, you know, weight lifted off my shoulders and, um, you know, I was super excited. Yeah. I can't imagine that feeling something you've been looking forward to for so long competing in the Minto, like, especially like for the championship, you guys, like you're in the finals, you've unfortunately hadn't been able to get there um yeah i can i couldn't imagine that feeling but glad you pulled it off happy for you and the boys but you mentioned worlds was that your first year being selected or how was the process of like getting the call and being chosen to compete yeah so that was my second time competing with canada but that was my first experience with the men's um competed in the U19 men or the worlds in Coquitlam actually. Um, and for that, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a, a bunch of guys from Ontario, Alberta, BC, you get emails, you go to try out our, we had tryouts at, uh, IMG Academy in Florida. Um, you know, we went down to tryouts and lucky enough to kind of get through that process and make that team. And, um, that's kind of where, you know, all, the, all my, that was after my, first year at Stony Brook. Um, so that definitely helped me kind of growing through my college experience. And I ended up having a really good tournament. We unfortunately came second, um, but was able to walk out of that with defensive player of the tournament. So that was, it was a really cool experience for me. And, it, you know, it really helped me kind of keep growing as a player, but um, yeah, the men's worlds was in Israel. They kind of they invited some of the guys to that U19 team. Um, you know, and it was the same tryout process, except now you're playing with guys like, like Curtis Dixon, you got trying out and, um, you know, Brody Merrill's there beside me on the field is kind of surreal for me, especially. Um, he's always been a guy that I've tried to emulate and watch growing up. And, um, so that was a really cool experience to be able to play with him. And, um, again, we had a really, really unfortunate silver there with that last second kerfuffle with the, the time and, and the refs, but can't control that now. And, um, it, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, you know, Israel was incredible. Um, our hotel was like a resort and it's such a good group of guys. Um, so it's always an honor to be able to, the rock maple leaf. And, um, you know, I'm hopefully excited to be able to, to do it again in 2023. So was the compete level different than anything you've experienced before? Yeah, for sure. It's, the world games are a lot different just with the pace of the game and having no shot clock and everything like that. But the, the player caliber there is, is the best of the best. It really is. Um, you know, with, with team USA, the phenomenal team, um, you know, they tried covering Shriver as a second year guy in college, third year guy in college. It's not really what you're used to. Yeah. Um, so, or, you know, you're going up against Lyle tops and as a third year junior, in college it's it's a humbling experience it's it's fat it's very it's you know it's top of the line lacrosse and um you know it was, it was a challenge for me and it, it was a learning experience for me and um you know it was it was one of the best kind of turns in my life that i've that i've ever been a part of and very thankful for for the opportunity so so you uh went there while you're kind of on the tail end of college and everything and i kind of want to go back to that whole recruiting process and everything sorry i'm kind of going out of order here but um what so obviously when did the recruiting start for college and when did you start getting looked at and what were some of the prominent schools along with stony brook that reached out to you yeah so i think kind of like the big tournament for me that where i really started to get some attention from colleges um was our u16 team bc tournament our field cross tournament in Quebec. Um, you know, again, that's with Brody, Liam, Ty, that same group of guys. Um, we ended up winning gold by 
a good margin against Team Ontario. Um, and I ended up getting team or a tournament MVP. Um, and that was kind of the big turning point for me. I think that's when schools started to reach out with emails. And, um, you know, that's when I was able to, you know, you start to put together your highlight films and you send that out. So that was kind of, I think, the big, big opportunity for me. Um, and then it's just, you know, it's tough to get down to the States to play in front of those college coaches. We don't have the same opportunities as the guys in the United States. So, um, you know, when you go down to those tournaments, you really, really got to show, but I was fortunate enough. I believe my 10th grade, um, Claremont on the Island got a, a showcase for college coaches to come up. Um, and that was kind of like the first year that happened. So a bunch of college coaches were able to come up to that, um, my 10th grade and right. That was after that tournament and started talking to a few of the coaches and then they finally got to see me play in person. And then, you know, it goes on from there and you start emailing and you do your visits um, we had a tournament in Baltimore and when we were there, I decided to do my visits of schools that I was talking to that were around there. So, um, I visited Rutgers, Stony Brook, Cornell, uh, Loyola. So, you know, those were, I'd say those four and, and probably Denver were my, my, the five schools that I was really, um, focused on and, and considering. And, um, you know, the, the decision was, it was tough is, a lot of phenomenal schools and it just kind of what, where I felt I fit best when I was on my visit and um, Stony Brook had a, a bunch of Canadians there already. And, you know, Coquitlam native Challen Rogers, um, you know, they had a couple of guys from the Island, a guy from Alberta. So, you know, they made me feel a little bit, a little bit more at home and it was an easier transition for me, but yeah, the, the recruiting process is a lot different. And, and again, it's changed nowadays. They can't talk to players until they're in their 11th, start of their 11th season, I believe, or their September 1st of their junior season. So it's changed a lot. But um, yeah, I'd say that that one tournament and then that 10th grade was kind of when things really started to kind of pick up. And um, that's that's when the decisions were made. Yeah, because I was about to ask, like, what made Stony Brook stand out? And I had... So it was the Canadian aspect and the just the comfortability they provided. Yeah, it just made it. They made me feel like I was just gonna, like it was a good fit for me. Um, you know, Stony Brook's across stadium is is amazing. It's top of the line. Um, you know, the facilities there, the gym, the the study hall, the athletic facilities, um, top of the line. It, it had its own. Stony Brook's a big commuter school on Long Island, and uh, you know, it's it's got its own hospital. It's a very very top of the line med school, not the I was ever a part of that, but, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a well-known SUNY school in New York and, um, academically it's a really good school. And so I just, you know, I thought the mix of both worlds and, you know, I wanted to go to a place where I could, I could make an impact as a freshman. And I thought that was a really good place for me. Um, you know, I've always wanted to compete for playing time and, and you know, make it, make a difference on the field. And I thought that was, it was just the best fit for me. And, you know, and had a great four years there and very happy for, for the teammates and, and guys who I call family that I was able to meet there. Were they able to promise you a certain amount of playing time and kind of, I feel like guarantee is the wrong word to use because nothing's guaranteed, right? Cause you got to prove that you belong and you got to prove your playing time, but did they kind of almost like give you an idea of how much playing time you get in your first year? that maybe bumped it, bumped them up in the rankings a bit more? Um, it's, that's really hard for coaches to do. Um, you, you can't guarantee it. Like you said, and yeah. it's, it's hard to even say if you'll ever play as a freshman. Um, you know, I think, I think they'll tell you and they'll say, we think you have a chance at seeing some playing time, but it's kind of, it's how much work you put in and how well yeah. you put in with the guys. So, um, there's no promises for playing time and, you know, you got to go in and you got to put in the work and, it's just kind of how I, I went in and I just competed. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to kind of work in, work into a starting role as a freshman and, and take on that for four years. I was, I was very fortunate and it was, you know, it was, a, it was an awesome, awesome part of my life. Yeah. That's one uh, thing that I'm kind of starting to live life by is hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. So, I mean, like going into college, obviously you're going to train to be the best player you possibly can, but you want to prepare, like you're on the last strike like you're not gonna like basically you're like a one star instead of a five star type of thing so yeah 
And uh, I just wanted to kind of see an idea because it makes sense that you can't really guarantee or promise anything, right? Because it's all on you. Like, yeah, you have to and control there's... your work ethic and everything. So it makes sense. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on too. And school plays a factor and time management's a big thing. So some guys adjust to it a lot better and some guys take a while to adjust to it. So, um, you know, a lot of factors go into that, not just, you know, strictly how you do on the, on the field. It's off the field stuff too. And, um, you know, being able to manage all that and, and take advantage of it. But, um, yeah, I was fortunate to kind of be able to work into that, that starting roles of freshman. What did you study down there? I did business marketing. How was that? It was good. You know, as I, I'll be honest, it was probably more there for lacrosse, yeah. lacrosse education than I was, uh, the, the school side of it, but, um, no, I was, it was really, you know, the school there, it's tough. It's, um, but it's good. And I was happy with, you know, business marketing and, you know, looking at it after that, when I was there, there's something I thought pro lacrosse might be something in my future. And I thought, um, you know, that marketing and, and that could help kind of play into the professional athlete role. And, um, you know, I'm happy with the decision and met some, met some good people through that as well. Yeah. Cause a lot of things, some people don't realize is that when athletes do go to school, they have to play into account like post-career stuff. So it's like study something like, obviously that's not going to, you're not going to study for your doctorate. I mean, some people do because they're blessed to have the knowledge and time management along with being a star athlete. But I mean, study something that you enjoy that you're going to have fun doing if a career doesn't work out, but also like give yourself some time to, you know, stick to what you're there for. So I, I love marketing. I think marketing is like a fun aspect of school, but what was, uh, was the school spirit good in Stony Brook? Like, was it electric? Did, uh, did you guys put asses in the seats? Was, uh, cause I know you guys went to March madness, uh, at least once that I was paying attention to basketball and stuff. So was the school spirit fun there? Yeah, it was good. Uh, my freshman year is when they, I believe that was when they went to the tournament. Um, and, you know, the basketball team, the, they got a whole new basketball stadium. They, they did some good fans. Um, our women's lacrosse team is, was number one in the country for a lot of the years I was there, or if not a top five, and they, they still are to this date. So, um, you know, they nice. did a lot of fans. And, you know, we'd be supporting them, and they'd come out to support our games. And, um, you know, in those cold, windy, cold, windy winter days and on Long Island, um, it was sometimes tough to get some fans, but no, it was always great. Um, you know, a lot of the, the athletics is a very tight knit group there at Stony Brook and the, all, all the teams kind of supported each other. And um, it, it was a pretty cool experience. And, you know, you got your, your pep rallies and whatnot kind of yeah. things, um, but more, more just through the athletic side. Um, there's way too many students to kind of do that as everybody in the school. Um, but yeah, the athletic facility and the athletics, at Stony Brook, we're all very tight knit and, you know, it was very, very supportive from team to team. Did you, um, do any like fun, uh, extracurricular stuff, like even like outside of school while you were down Long Island, catching the Islanders games, any, uh, football games, anything like that? Yeah, we definitely caught a bunch of Islanders games. Um, never went to a Jets or a Giants game while I was there. Uh, probably um, usually the I was kind of, <laughs> yeah, we were kind of, yeah, not that I was a, not that I would have gone to wanted to support one of those teams, but, uh, no, it was good. Um, you know, we did, we go to Islanders games, you go to your, your parties here and there. And, um, you know, we, we always do at Stony Brook, we always did like a, a wedding between the men's and women's across team every year. So there's a senior on the men's team, married a senior on the women's team. It's basically just a big day drink kind of fake wedding. Um, that was always a great time. Well, that's awesome. Um, Tell me more of that. Like is, is it just like a regular, like kind of backyard party? Just like, no, it's a, a full, it's a full thing, full ceremony. Uh, everyone dresses up, you got your bride <laughs> and your groom. They, we do the whole groomsman wedding party thing. Um, bachelor party. You know, yeah. Well, we don't do the bachelor party, but, but we get the whole chairs set up for, we get them walking down the aisle. Um, we, we got a pastor and a guy swearing them into oath and, um, no, it's, it's like a pretty legit wedding, but it's all just like a joke and it's been happening um, for a few years there. Well, every year I was there and um, that was probably one of the, one of the bigger parties that we would have and it'd start early and it'd go late. And it was, uh, it was quite the time. 
That sure. is that is unbelievable. I, I I'd pay good money to see like some footage of that. <laughs> yeah, there's pictures kicking around for sure. Um, we also we always do a Catalina wine mixer as well. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, it's usually at our house, and there is a big ice luge. There's there's kegs. There's a ton of wine. It's uh another just a, you know another day drink that you're able to you know you're able to have some fun. Yeah. Um, usually closer to when season's over if we got knocked out or whatever that's kind of when that would happen and it's nice and sunny out but you know we had a lot of fun and um just just a great group of people um on the stony river team and made a lot of good friends there and had a lot of fun did you ever get selected i was a groomsman two times but i was never never the one getting married no i was a groomsman never the groom Yep, exactly. That's how it was. Uh, so I, I forgot to mention this in your intro, but you end up getting selected by the Boston Cannons in the 2019 MLL draft, twenty uh, seventh overall. Is MLL like? What's the difference between MLL and NLL? So the MLL is no longer a thing. Um, so when I got drafted, was the first year that the PLL started their league. Um, I didn't get drafted in that one. I got picked up in the player pool. Um, and then the MLL, which was, um, the original like outdoor field across professional league. Um, the PLL basically was created. They took a bunch of players, um, started their own league, And, um, the MLL was just going as normal. Um, got drafted to the Boston cannons, ha- had a really great year with them. Um, re- again, really like our owners our coaches, the teammates, everything. Um, Got to play with a fellow college teammate again. So that was That's a awesome. few of them, actually. So one of the guys I lived with and graduated with at Stony Brook, we both were able to continue playing up in Boston. And Challen Rogers was playing there as well. So a few familiar faces and um, had, a, had a, a great first professional field across season. I was very grateful for that. And, um, yeah, and the PLL continued to grow. And the following year, I, I thought it was best for me as a younger player to – you know, try and play against the best players in the world. And I thought the PLL, that's, that's where it was. So I, I made the jump over the PLL and I was um, picked up by the water dogs in the expansion draft. Um, and it's been, it's been incredible ever since. It's a little bit different where the PLL is a tour based lead. Yeah. I was about um, to say. Yeah. So each, each weekend we're in a different city um, and all the teams travel there. You're playing a different team each weekend, but you know, you'll be in Boston one weekend, you'll be in, Albany one weekend, you'll be in Georgia, you'll be in Minneapolis. Um, so, you know, it doesn't really, you're just kind of around and you're, you're playing on the weekends, but um, it's been a great, great few first few years for me in the professional field across the league. And I'm very, very happy with where I'm at. So that's a, I feel like that's an awesome way to grow an, a league or a sport that's maybe not getting the recognition it's quite deserved. Like a tour based league, I feel is, amazing you know you just set set up camp wherever i guess like wherever there's enough space and then like like a general admission cost like i'm not too sure how exactly it works but if you don't mind explaining how does like say you guys set up camp in georgia how does a weekend or a week like how does that work exactly yes so uh the one thing PLL does uh, tremendously is their, their social media game. Um, so their, their social media, their marketing, um, getting that, the word of mouth out, um, ticket sales aren't usually a problem. Um, you know, they, they kind of target lacrosse markets at the same time as trying to grow the game. Um, you know, it's hard to go to a, a, a state or, or somewhere that doesn't know lacrosse at all and you get no fans. So it's kind of finding that, that in between where you're, you're really trying to grow the game. Like Minneapolis is a great place. Um, you know, lacrosse is definitely growing there. We, they pull a good, good show there for, for PLL. And it's just a, a weekend of lacrosse. Basically it's uh, Saturday, Sunday, um, you know, all six or seven teams are there um, depending on if there's a bye weekend or not for someone. And um, usually it's two and two games or three games, one day, two or three games the next day. And um just going out and competing, you know, if you got a game in Boston and on Saturday, you fly in Friday, you practice Friday night, you play Saturday and you fly home either Saturday night or Sunday and you're back, back with the team. And 
the next weekend you're meeting them in a different city or a different state. So um, it's a really cool way. And I think they're definitely doing it to find out which markets they want to put teams into eventually. Um, I don't know how long a tour based legal will be. Um, but, you know, they're looking for the, the markets that being the biggest crowd and um, the biggest supporters. So I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how different cities kind of how it's grown. And um, I think the field does a great job of growing the, growing the game of lacrosse, which is kind of what we're, we're here to do. Uh, I don't know if you listen to part of my take, but their uh, their team that they chose was the Water Dogs, and they started following it a bit more and more. Did you kind of get a laugh at that, or did you, that put a smile on your face at all that they were kind of hopping on the bandwagon for your team? Yeah, so I don't know if it was a bandwagon or I think they came up with the name the Water Dogs, and that's kind of how they um got involved with our team. But uh, no, it's it's hilarious. Um, you know, it, it's growing the game and, you know, some, most of the time it's them shitting on our team. Um, <laughs> but you know, we were a first year team the first year and it was tough and it was expansion and it was into a bubble and we didn't have a lot of time to prepare and get ready for that season. But, uh, this last season, you know, we finished first in regular season and, um, it, it's just hilarious having big cat and their whole, you know, barstool PFT, um, supporting and, kind of tweeting at us and going back and forth. Uh, it's hilarious, but actually funny story with that is we were at an airport after a game, a bunch of the water dogs, we were just having some drinks and I tweeted out a picture. I was asking if, if big cat would cover our, uh, our beers for the airport for a big win that we just got. And uh, little did I know he actually sent me the 200, couple hundred dollars for, uh, for, to cover the team's beers. So that's amazing. That was a pretty funny moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's supporting supporting the boys. So, um, so it was a it was a funny funny time at the airport when I whenever got that from him. That's unbelievable. Yeah, because whenever you guys were in a downfall, then they would like ridicule you, ridicule you guys or give you like tough love. And then whenever you guys started doing good, they would take credit for like kicking you guys in the ass and like to get going. And it was just a funny moment, like hearing you guys talk about it. And then I'm like. Oh shit, Rylan plays for the Water Dogs. This is this is kind of a funny narrative that I'm following because one of my one of my buddies from home is on the team that these guys are kind of rooting for, I guess, or like tagging along. But uh Paul Rabel, he's the creator of the league, if I'm not mistaken. And he's yeah, he's a co-founder. And he's a lacrosse icon. He's some classify him as one of the best players to play lacrosse. Was it uh exhilarating feeling like playing against him with him etc yeah um i mean growing up everybody you kind of knew the name of paul Rabel, and he's you know he's a lot of offensive guys best favorite players and you know kind of being a defensive guy growing up he was never my favorite player because you know i guess i leaned towards the defensive side a little bit more um and that usually went to brody merrill but um yeah i played against paul Rabel in the worlds um in israel when i was in college so kind of got through that whole, you know, fanboy kind of, you know, yeah. playing against the best players in the world. I kind of got that out of the way nice and early in Worlds, um, playing against the best players in the world. So um, when I did get to the pros and, and all that, it was kind of like I've been here before and it was kind of like a cool common collected for me. Um, but it, it's always great being able to play against the best players in the world. And, um, you know, Paul's done a ton for lacrosse and growing the game of lacrosse. Um, and, you know, he's the co-founder of the PLL. So I'm grateful for that, obviously. And just excited to see, you know, the lead grow and, and see where it gets to from, from there. And he's, he's a big part of that. That's awesome. And uh, I want to talk about, you get drafted by um, the Rochester Nighthawks second overall. And I remember looking through the Coquitlam yearbook in middle school, and it always say like, what's your future dream? And all, and I came across yours, and you said to be drafted and to play in the NLL. And then my guy, Rylan Reese, on this Zoom call, on this episode, he gets drafted to the NLL to Rochester, second overall. That's just like a proud moment as a Poco boy, a guy that I knew grown grown up. You always in high school, you took me under your wing a few times. You're always you're always a good guy to me. And seeing you drafted to the NLL, it was. It was a cool feeling. So I want to hear like your side, just like I made it like an I made it moment. Like 
how cool of a feeling was it? What was going through your head when it ultimately ended up happening? Just give me the rundown of it. Yeah, it was awesome. So, um, you know, after that junior and winning the Minto, it was kind of, all right, what's next? And um, I was kind of focused on the, the college season at the time. And I knew the draft was coming up, but the draft uh, was in Philadelphia at the Xfinity Live Center, which is it's a great spot in Philly. There's it's one massive bar with like four bars inside of it. And it's right in the middle of the Flyers arena, the, the Phillies arena and the, uh, the Eagles arena. It's crazy there, but um, you know, I was really lucky to have family down my mom, my brother. Um, they all came down to the draft. Um, Keegan Bell was also there. So it was really cool to kind of go through that experience with him. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of surreal. Like you know, it's kind of like speechless um we were sitting in one part of the bar and you're kind of sitting with all the players and your family and you're waiting or your family's sitting out in the in the hall and you're kind of waiting and you know we're we're watching the draft live while the stage is to our right and um you know I, I talked to a few teams and I never knew exactly where I was gonna go I, I didn't know for sure I was going at two I could have gone at four or, you know if I could have known it could have gone at one or ten you know it, it wasn't yeah. a for sure thing um and here, yeah, hearing my name at, at two and um, I was speechless. Um, I looked at my mom, she was crying. It's, it was a bit, it was a great experience. It was humbling. Um, and then walking across that stage and kind of, you know, you, you said it like that, the feeling of I, I made it like this, this was my goal. Um, and I think for me, like shortly after that, I was like, okay, well, I, I'm not stopping here, you know, like let's keep it going. And, um, you know, I made the most of this opportunity and, you know, getting drafted is great and all, and it's it's still a long journey to, to making the team. And it doesn't matter if it's your first round draft pick or what it is. Like you still got a lot of work to put in. And, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to get drafted by Rochester, and I've, I've been loving every moment of it here in Roch Vegas. So, do they uh, do it like NFL style? Do they like call you before they make their pick, or is it all a surprise to you? No. So, like you talk with coaches and players before the draft but when you're at the draft it's all the players are in one room and there's the person on the stage and they announce the name and if you hear your name you get up and you you walk out walk out to the stage so you didn't really have a heads up and you know we're all kind of sitting there anxiously and um, I was kind of lucky I didn't have to wait very long <laughs> I personally like that the surprise factor of a player getting drafted like all respect to the NFL but when like coaches call them like two picks before they're up and just like, Hey, like we drafted you. I feel like it almost like the feeling's still there, but it kind of like kills it. I feel because when you hear your name called on a national like level kind of thing, I feel like it's just more exhilarating as a player. So I, I like the way like NLL and like NHL does it, where it's like spur of the moment, you get the genuine reaction of the player and it's like, let's go. Like, yeah, I, I made the first step. I got the first step out of the way. I, I got my name in there. Now let's get signed. Let's, let's get to work. And yeah, yeah. like you said, it doesn't stop there at the name being called. But uh, what was your first I'm in the NLL moment? Like, oh, uh, wow, well, this, this, is, this is the NLL. Yeah, so for me, like I, I got drafted um, and then I played my first season of the Boston Cannons and then I ended up um, playing my NLL season. So it took a little, it was a little bit of time in between. Um, but I guess like for me, it was kind of like moving to Rochester, you know, the travel from, from BC, it, it would be really tough to kind of be able to do practices and games every weekend. So, you know, I moved here my first year and I'm, I'm here again this year. Um, that was, I guess, kind of the moment for me, you know, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm moving here. We're playing. I'm, you're jumping right in. I'm, within the Rochester community doing things around there and you're right into practice and everything. And I guess just kind of the move was like, all right, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm in it and let's go. So um, it's a big change of pace. It's the game's a lot faster, more physical, you know, you're playing against the best players in the world and um, it's tough. It's challenging. And it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's, it's one of the best leads in the world. So. Yeah. Cause you're a defensive guy and were you just like, man, these guys are like, much bigger than the ones I usually play against. Obviously, you were fully expecting that, but just seeing it for the first time in person is always going to be like a wow, like this is this is the league. Was that my true by saying that? 
Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, everyone's bigger, faster, stronger. Um, and, you know, the lead is a lot different. Like the rules are different. The, you know, there isn't many moving picks in the NLL. Um, so, yeah, you, you, it's a lot more physical on the defensive side and the offensive guys, you know. Um, we can hit a little bit harder on defense, but they can set harder picks. So it's, yeah. it's an adjustment for sure. And you, the defensive systems that you play are a lot different than junior. And um, it took some getting used to, but I felt I adjusted pretty quick. And like I said, like being on that Coquitlam team and with Pat Coyle kind of making that transition a lot easier for me, um, that, that was pretty key for me. It's grown man's game, right? So yeah. you got you to gotta expect, you know, them to be a little bit more cheap shots and – little bit more of a uh, retaliating going on but no dude that's that's fucking awesome and like i said earlier i'm just, it's it's so cool seeing like you graden clark just keegan just like all the boys representing the city in the LL and man it's it's just so cool man keep up the good work it's uh you're killing it buddy six goals and an apple this year and uh, almost a point per game player as a defensive guy isn't bad, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's good. Um, you know, a little bit more confidence in my second year, so um, you know, the goals are coming. We're pushing to transition a little bit more, and and the team's right there. You know, we've had a couple tough, tough losses and um, a couple goals, but um, you know, we're, we're competing at the highest level. We're playing with the best teams in the league, and we got another big test on Saturday in Buffalo. So. How long are seasons? Um, we will play until April, end of April is regular season, and then May and kind of right into June would be the, the finals. Um, so they, I want to say it's 18 regular season games. Okay. Um, I don't know for sure. I got my calendar over there. I think it's 18. So you guys um, are right around the halfway point right now. Yeah, we're uh, just right around there. So we got nine, nine or 10 weeks straight here, no bye weekend. So we got a lot of games coming up. and. Ready to get after it. Ready to get after it, baby. Uh, every kickback and relax uh, episode, I got five questions um, from my guests. I know I've been asking you questions all episode, but these ones are a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we'll start off with this one. Uh, first thing you would do if you won $10 million and why? Oh, $10 million. I'd definitely buy a house. Where? That would be the question. Yeah. Um, but I definitely buy a house and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I help my mom with her little kitchen renovation. She's trying to go through right now. Um, but man, that's a lot of money. I don't know. I definitely buy a house and I'd, I'd see, see how much I got left from that. Uh, buy Rochester and be a player owner, <laughs> first player owner. <laughs> <laughs> just be like hey sorry this uh, is my jackie team. moon yeah exactly yeah. um second question here i uh what's the most embarrassing way you've injured yourself it could be like as minor as a bruise or it could be like uh, you broke your wrist or something but what's an embarrassing yeah, I, way i have a feeling i know who uh who might have hinted to you at this actually um, these are all these are questions i've asked previous guests uh, as well i haven't right. heard anything all right um i think probably separating my shoulder wrestling tanner riley would be the, the most embarrassing way. I tapped him out, but I did separate my shoulder. So um, that would that would probably be the most embarrassing. Did you injury. just land on it weird or was it any sort of? Uh, Tanner's big body yeah, landed on me and separated <laughs> my shoulder. So. <laughs> oh, buddy, that's that, amazing. It's got to be that or getting run over by a truck. So it's one yeah, of those I, two. Yeah, I heard <laughs> about that. But I mean, like, that's not necessarily embarrassing. That's just tragic. But <laughs> wrestling and separating your shoulder what's the degree of pain in separating your shoulder? Cause I've fortunately haven't done it, but is it just, yeah, like, think, yeah. At the time, again, when I was wrestling, it was okay. And then as soon as it ended, I like couldn't really move my shoulder. I like looked at it and then it, when it was just sitting there, it's okay. But any sort of like movement you try and did with it, it was, it was pretty painful. So it, I definitely don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, not a, it's not on the top of my list. That's for sure. Uh, third question here. What meal or food can you not live without? Can't live without. Man, I love my tacos. Tacos. I, I would not want to live without tacos. I don't think, you know, there's nothing better than just cooking up a taco Tuesday. Oh, after yeah. it, But, you know, that that's, I love my tacos. 
Are you a soft or hard taco guy? I'm a hard taco kind of guy. You know, oh, throw them in the oven right. for a little bit, get the nice crunch. That's that's how I like it. Beef, chicken, fish. Are you uh, are you welcome to you can do anything? I normally do beef, but you know, if you go to like Chipotle or something, you change it up, you get chicken or whatever. But normally, yeah. it's if I'm making it at Taco Tuesday at home, it's normally beef. Are you a Taco Bell kind of guy every once in a while? At college, I was for sure. Like next one <laughs> over Sunday, Taco Bell two minutes down the road was uh, was definitely oh, that's dangerous. Definitely in the play a lot, yeah. So, but now that you're a pro, you're kind of eating a little bit better, looking after yeah, yourself. Yeah, I don't, a bit I, more. Could, I think the last time I went to Taco Bell was probably in college. So, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, what celebrity you rate as a perfect ten? Male or female? We don't discriminate here. Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. She's your girl, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Friends and, man, Jennifer Aniston's always been. Always been. She's taking care of herself pretty well. <laughs> Gotta respect yeah. it. Uh, and last question here, Rob. If any actor or actress were to play you in a movie about your life, who would you choose? Or who would it be? Who would I choose? I don't know. I think I would like, I don't know. I would love to see like a Seth Rogen or something try and play uh, like a professional athlete. I think it'd be hilarious. And then I think it just fits in with like the lacrosse, like college lax bro, you know, whole, yeah. like, whole vibe. So I think that'd be hilarious, but I don't know. That's a tough question. Yeah. I usually stump some people with that because it gives them time <laughs> to think. But yeah, uh, if you're thinking about like lookalike, that might be a lot tougher, but I don't know. First guy that comes to mind just for the beard wise is Gyllenhaal, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if he fits like the lax. Bro maybe Chris Evans, of. maybe. Oh, Chris Evans, that's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. I'm a big Marvel guy, so yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, what's your uh, what's your favorite one? Are you gonna Are you looking forward to the Doctor Strange movie that's coming out this summer? Yeah, I did, just saw the new Spider Man. It was great, and then uh, yeah, the new Doctor Strange is gonna be gonna be pretty sick. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, and I the just, new Thor is coming out later this year. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one as well. I just watched the MCU in order from start to finish and like timeline order. It was yeah, chronological order. It's great. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But Ryan, yeah, I've done that is, a few times. This has been an unbelievable episode. I appreciate you so much for coming on, giving me your time. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. Anything they can look out for, where uh, where they can watch some of your games. Give me all that. Yeah, I mean, Rochester games, a lot of our games are on ESPN Plus or TSN, TSN Plus or whatever it is. It's kind of all over the NLL, social media and whatnot. And um, PLL is normally NBC in the States, and um, they have some international thing. I don't know what it, where it is, but, um, yeah, it's usually just all over social media. I usually post about it, so I'm usually probably pretty annoying about that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Do you have any social media that people can keep up with and is where they can maybe find uh, if you post about stories about any promotional stuff or uh, game updates or anything? Yeah, I got my Instagram is Ryland Reese 71. Um, check it out. I got some, uh, some supplements there. If you want some 20% off um, some stuff in my link tree there, if you want to check that out, but um yeah, Instagram's Ryland Reese 71. Twitter's Ryland Reese. I don't tweet a whole lot, but I like to like to retweet and like some things. But that's about it. That's about all my social media I got. That's awesome. And you guys know where to follow me on Instagram at Jevin.lefave on Twitter at Jevin Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at left side heavy underscore. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Left Side Heavy. Like, comment, ring the bell so you never miss an upload. And Ryland, once again, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And good luck in the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Jim. All right. See you guys next time.